Did you know that when you buy resources from Focus on the Family Canada, your purchase helps strengthen marriages, equip parents, defend biblical principles, and more. Plus, we carefully select every item, which means you will only encounter quality, biblically sound resources that are safe for the whole family. Help give back to Canadian families by shopping at Focus on the Family Canada. Find biblically-based resources for your family at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. At that point, basketball became everything to me. You know, like that was my God because I could go outside and I could play and I could practice and like nothing else really mattered. That's Tamika Catching Smith, and you'll hear more from her on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, today is the opening ceremonies for the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. And that may sound funny since it's 2021, but as you probably know, because of COVID, the Olympics were postponed uh, till this summer. So to coincide with that, we want to come back to Tamika's remarkable story. She has, in the past, represented the United States at the Olympics playing basketball. In fact, she and her teammates brought home the gold four times. Uh, She also has many other accolades to her name. Tamika has overcome adversity in her life by relying on her faith, her work ethic, and character. Uh, by finding and cultivating her identity through sports. She's inspired many others through her leadership. And you know, when she was with us, John, I got to shoot a few hoops with her. That was a little embarrassing. (laughs) And she is really talented. Uh, What a player. We had a great time, and she especially had a good time making fun of my basketball skills. (laughs) Well, Tamika now serves as the general manager of the Indiana Fever, the same WNBA basketball team she played for. Uh, She's also the founder of the Catch the Stars Foundation in Indianapolis, which promotes literacy and fitness through mentors who inspire and uplift youth to help them define purpose and achieve their potential. And when we last spoke with Tamika, she had just gotten married and was heading for the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. And here's how, Jim, you started that conversation. Tamika, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thanks for having me. Now, the exciting part with all those achievements that you have, uh, women's professional basketball, playing on the Olympic team in the past, uh, you're recently married, right? Yes, February 7th. (laughs) February 7th. That's great. So you're into your marriage a few months now. and Mm -hmm. Is it going okay? It's going great. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough question, isn't it? Right from the beginning. Yeah. I mean... um, Thank God we've had the the experience of being together since 2014. So, yeah. you know, like he went through my last season as far as what it was like being with me on the road, at home, basketball, all that training and stuff. So, How long was, is that season in women's basketball? How long do you go? We play from April and then for so this past season or the season that we're in, April, we start early April 24th and then we'll go. We have the Olympic break now, so July through August. Then we'll come back and finish our season and finish in October. Wow, that is a long year. Mm-hmm. And that is practically every night. You're heading somewhere or playing somewhere. Playing somewhere, practicing. We do have off days, don't worry. <laughs> but even on off days, you know, I'm doing something around basketball or something with the foundation and, you know, just trying to figure out for me now, like, what's next. Now, it's interesting for you because as a little girl, uh, you were used to this because your dad 
dad played in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Played for 11 seasons. So, 11 seasons? Yeah, 84 was his last year, 73 to 84. I was born in 79. So. What teams did he play for? Played for Milwaukee Bucks, New Jersey Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Oh, man. Did that prepare you for your life now? Could you see then what it was going to be like? Interestingly enough, I really, we were around it, but we weren't really of it if that makes sense. Yeah. So like all the families would hang out together. So all the kids, we would all hang out and um, play, but we would play all sports. It wasn't just basketball. We would go to practice and I mean, we'd be climbing up, you know, in the rafters and doing crazy stuff because <laughs> that's what kids do. And so my dad finished in America and then we actually played, he played a year over in Italy and um, his last season. So did that for a year. And then we came back to the States and kind of moved around even in the States. So I was in seventh grade when I finally figured out like, oh my gosh, like I really love playing basketball. And this is something that I do want to follow in my dad's footsteps. Mm. And your childhood had some difficulties. I mean, uh, it wasn't an easy road for you. Tell us what was going on in your life as that, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth grader. Yeah. Who were you? Well, I was born with a hearing problem and a speech problem and had to wear hearing aids, still wear hearing aids. And so, like, I had the big hearing aids, the ones that everybody could see, and um, kind of like what you guys have on. <laughs> <laughs> we have our little earplugs Yeah, it's like in the here. little earplugs. But I got, you know, as a kid, you don't understand the differences. Uh. And so I got teased a lot. I got bullied a lot. Just, and so I struggled early on just as far as really wanting to fit in and be normal, quote-unquote, and be like everybody else. And so, like, that's how sport came into my life, as important as it was, because I knew that if I could practice, and I practiced, and I got really, really good at something, people couldn't make fun of me. So if somebody made fun of me, I said, well, let's go play basketball. And I might lose the first time, but then I was going to go back and practice, and I guarantee you the next time I was not going to lose. And so, like, that was really... Early on, that was my focus. You know, yeah. faith has always been a part of our family, but it was more one of those things that, as a kid, you just do. Yeah, Tamika, let me ask you this question, because a lot of us um, experience those things in school, but what did your mom do to just give you some support? Especially second grade, like, that was the toughest year. First grade, I was overseas. We were in Italy, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, we moved back here. And so it was tough, because in Italy, everybody spoke Italian. You know, our friends spoke English, but if they made fun of me, nobody, I didn't know, you know, like, ah, yeah, okay, whatever, well, let's just go play. And so second grade was really when I found out that I was different. Mm. And I would honestly say, like, my mom did a great job because there were days, like, I would come home and I would be crying. And she would always wipe my tears away and just say, you know, I'm not going to let you give up and push me back out the door. And, you know, I did pretty much every single sport, every single you know, activity that you can possibly do. And they kept us very engaged in other sports and other activity that kind of overshadowed, you know, the getting made fun of. Uh, and you obviously had a talent in those areas. Um, there was a moment, though, when you really probably were the most down and you actually took your hearing aids off and threw them. What, tell us about that day. That was the last day I was going to get made fun of. <laughs> that was it? And, yeah. And I remember, I mean, like, I just remember going to school and getting made fun of. And I was just like, okay, like, this is it. Like, What would the kids say? What were they saying? Just talk about my the way I talked, you know, because I did. I had a lisp, and, like, I stuttered to an extent because it was, I wasn't comfortable talking. And so I knew I was going to get made fun of. So I was almost trying to be invisible. Yeah. But you can't be invisible. And then speech therapy, so I had to do speech therapy. And the teacher would... The speech therapist would come to the room, open the door. Everybody looked to the door, and she's like, I need Tamika. So then the kids are like, why did she get to leave? 
And then, you know, come to find out I had to go to speech therapy class. So, like, it was the way I talked, the way I looked, just being different, you know, being tall. Um, anything and everything you could think of. And you got fed up at one point. Yeah, that day I got fed up. And I was just like, this is going to be the last day. And what would you do? Walking home. So my brother and my sister always, like the three of us, while we'd walk together. And to and from school, it was like a big, tall field of grass. So we would walk to school. And then on the way home that day, I was like, okay. They were in front of me, just talking, and I like literally took my hearing aids out, put them in my hand, and I threw them. In the field? In the field. Ugh. As far as I could. As far as I could. And then got home. We always had snacks right when we got there, did our homework, and then we did whatever sport activity we had. We had softball practice. So I went to softball practice, and like after practice, my mom was just looking at me. She's like, there's just something different about you. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And she finally was like, where are your hearing aids? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where they're at. And so we literally walked all the way around softball field. And I played catcher and I played left field. But even though I was left field, I was in right field and center field. So you knew they weren't there, though. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but you just walked through the field with their I didn't lie. I was just kind of like, you know, yeah. just telling I don't know where they're at. <laughs> and so we went home and, you know, we actually walked to and from school and tried to see if they mm. had fallen out. And we never found them. But at the end of the day, my mom was just like, you know, we can't afford to keep buying your hearing aids. And so you're going to have to learn how to live without them. And I wow. Guess, yeah. How did that make you feel when she said that? Happy. Did you feel happy <laughs> that you didn't have to put them on? I was happy. Because some children may think, ah. I was relieved. Okay. You know, but I knew that in doing that, I had to figure out ways to get by. Yeah. And so, like, my thing was I sat in the first row in every single one of my classes. I would read the textbook before I went to class. And then after class, I would stay and, like, talk to the teacher so I can read lip. So as long as the teacher was looking at me, I was fine. But when she turned around to write on the chalkboard and I couldn't see her lips, so I'd have, like, words and then, like, blank and then words and blank. And, like, I would have to go after class oh, and have her fill in the blank. What did you learn from that? I mean, obviously, perseverance and all those things that have made you a professional athlete now. It, it was contributing to your ability to be resilient and mm -hmm. be strong, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think it gave me a passion. It gave me, like, I am very passionate. Like I, Even then, like, I love school. I actually love, like, learning. And I still love learning. That even aspect. with the obstacle of not hearing. Yeah. Because in books... I could go places. Like, I could read about, you know, like, Italy. I could read about Spain. I could read about Rio. Like, I could read about them in a book. I never really thought I'd ever go there. But in my mind, I was able to go there. And uh -huh. so, like, it's cool because through basketball, it's allowed me the opportunity to go everywhere I read about. Tamika, where, where is God in all of this? I mean, how did you find faith with those kind of, uh, you know, obstacles in your life? Did you resent the fact that... You were a little short on some of these abilities like hearing and speech? Not really resent. Um, we went to church. You know, like every week we were there Sunday. If we didn't go to church on Sunday, we couldn't participate in activities, you know, during the week. And so, like, for us, it was that. I mean, we went to church on Wednesday. I was kids of the kingdom all day. I mean, we did all of that. Um, as far as like my own personal, like, so when I graduated high school and went to University of Tennessee, I remember like, oh man, I, I can make my own decision. I don't go to church on Sunday. I still get to play basketball, you know, and it's more like that rebel stage. <laughs> um, and then I was riding around and I saw this big billboard and it was promoting this guest speaker that was coming and just this great guy. It was going to be an awesome message. So I remember going back to the dorm, like, hey guys, like, 
we need to go. We need to do this. Like, we need to go to church. We need to hear this guy. Like, everybody, I mean, the billboard was absolutely amazing. It just kind of pulled you in. And it's like, it was just the right moment for all of us. And so we ended up going. We all came from different backgrounds. He talked about who's your daddy and just how um, God is your dad. You know, no matter what kind of relationship you have with your earthly father, you always have a heavenly father that, you know, supersedes all of that. And so the four of us, we all had different relationships with our father. My mom and dad had gotten divorced when I was in sixth grade. One of them, her dad was around all the time. Other, another one, her dad, she hadn't seen her dad in like four years. You know, and then another one, like her dad just kind of like was in and out. And it was just like very sporadic. So like hearing that message, I mean, we all were like crying and we all came down and rededicated our lives. And um, so like ever since that moment, Really, like, my whole mind, like, it's just shifted. But that was the moment you would say, even though you had gone to church, it became your own. Mm -hmm. Your faith became your own. Jesus became real Mm -hmm. to you. That divorce, you went by that pretty fast in terms of your father and your mom. How old were you when they divorced? I was in sixth grade. Oh, man. And I just remember, at that point, basketball became everything to me. You know, like, that was my God, because... I could go outside and I could play and I could practice and like nothing else really mattered. And, um, you know, that I made my goal in seventh grade, like that this was what I was going to do. And it was kind of like my way of being able to get through everything without having to talk about it and just like basketball, basketball, basketball. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. John Avery Whitaker is an incredible guy, but have you ever wondered what makes wit, wit? Find out in the new Young Wit book series from Focus on the Family. In book number one, nine-year-old John Avery Whitaker moves to a new town, makes new friends, faces a new bully, and solves a 70-year-old mystery. Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure is available at focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Deeks Insurance would like to remind our listeners that they have preferred rates for members of faith-based organizations. Deeks has been a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981, proudly serving the evangelical Christian community with preferred home and auto insurance rates. Having started as a family business, Deeks understands that being part of something really matters. Your church might in fact be a part of the larger Deeks family. Find out by visiting deeksinsurance.ca. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Tamika, I want to highlight something you said that is important for the listeners to know. When you talked about uh, the Lady Vols, uh, the <laughs> University of Tennessee, you went 39-0 and that one season, mm-hmm. and uh, that was one of the great feats in women's sports. And that team particularly was noted as perhaps one of the best women's teams of any sport. Um, that had to feel special to be part of something so so perfect. Mm-hmm. It was. 
It was awesome. I mean, that was my freshman year in college. So I remember just sitting back, I'm like, gosh, if, if every single year is like this year, <laughs> I'm in for the ride of my life. Um, but, you know, it was just the thing that made it special every single day. Like, we worked. I mean, there wasn't a day that what blood wasn't shed on mm. the court. And it was just because against each other, like, we were so competitive. But it was so much but fun. But it made you better. And it made us better. In fact, uh, the coach, Pat Summit, had a list of imperatives and uh, let's talk about a couple of those and we'll list those on the website mm-hmm. so others can see it but these are great principles to live by what were they i think for me overall like in kind of summing up all her definite dozen you know the big thing for her was just making sure that we were great people and so kind of like going through her definite dozen i mean attitude put the team before yourself and i can say the put the team before yourself was big for me especially coming in my first year uh, as a freshman and really like up until that point, I had never been told that I hadn't done something right. Did you think you were selfish? Did you perceive yourself as selfish? No, I didn't perceive myself as selfish. I just perceived myself that I knew like most teenagers, (laughs) I knew everything I needed to know. And you know, (laughs) I got this crazy lady down. (laughs) What did she say? What did she see in you that was irritating her? And she called you out on it. Right on the court. What happened? Defense. I struggled. Yeah. And that was the first practice. Literally, I got uh, yelled at. What'd she say to you? Well, so we were doing a drill, and um, it was kind of like offense, defense. And I came up on the defense, and I played defense the way that I've always played defense, which is worked. And so she was like, Tamika, get your butt down, get your arms out. And I'm like, okay. And I get beat like three, four times consecutively. So I go back to the end of the line, and now she's like in the corner of the gym, her back is to us, like totally like not even paying attention. So I get back up, and I get in my stance the way I know, and all of a sudden, like, she goes, Tamika! And I turn around, and I said, what? <laughs> and everybody got quiet. <laughs> everybody got quiet just like that. And so, like, I'm mad. She's mad. I can't believe I just yelled back. So she calls me to the end of the baseline, and she's just like, do I have to handle you with lace glove? And that's her way of, like, you're playing like a girl. And she hated when people say, oh, you play like a girl. So that was her way. And then she was like, do I need to send you back to Duncanville, Texas? I'm like, no, ma'am. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing now. But then I'm like, no, because in my mind, I'm like, if she doesn't kill me, my mom's going to kill me. So I might as well stay here and get killed. And I'm fine with She's that. She's kind of calling you out. Here. Yeah, definitely did. And she was just like, you know, you need to basically buy into what we're going to do as a team. And so we got through practice, after practice, like I showered and went upstairs and I apologized. And that was the first and only time that we ever had a run-in like that. I mean, you know, she got on me about other stuff, but yeah. What were a couple of the others? Just read the list real quick. So one, respect yourself and others. Two, take full responsibility. That's definitely one of hers. People made excuses to why they didn't, you know, I, I couldn't be in help because I had to do this. And it's like... Then you watch the tape and you get to see, and, you know, we got basketball players around, so they know, you know, when you watch the film, you get to see uh, everything you said you thought you did, you didn't really do. Yeah, so take full responsibility. Three, develop and demonstrate loyalty. Four, learn to be a great communicator. Five, discipline yourself so no one else has to. That was a big one for her. Six, make hard work your passion. Seven, don't just work hard, work smart. Eight, put the team before yourself. Nine, make winning an attitude. Ten, be a competitor. Eleven, change is a must. That was mine. Struggle right there. 
And then 12, handle success like you handle failure. Wow, that, those are good things to live by. In fact, I'm going to use those with my kids because those are go. great life <laughs> issues, and they're very you know, biblically based. Those are the right things. Now, you get into the, uh, the women's MBA, the WMBA, and you were drafted. Were you surprised you got drafted so high? And then what happened those first seasons? I think you had some injuries, mm-hmm. right? I tore my ACL my senior year in college, so I didn't even get to really finish the senior year, you know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, 2001. And so... That was your knee. And my knee, and my right knee. Mm. And so um, I just remember, like, we're literally four months from the draft. Nobody's going to want me. Because mm, you're like, injured. Because I'm injured. It's yeah. almost like going to a store and buying something that's already broke. Like, why would you do that? And so that's kind of like what I thought about, you know, from mm. the draft perspective. Um, so number one pick went. I'm like, okay, number two pick went. Number three, Indiana's on the clock, and like they said my name. And I had to sit there for a second. I'm like, wait a minute, was that my name? So I got to jump up. <laughs> so excited, like, oh, you know, I'm going to Indiana. And that had to be a great feeling. Oh, it was. It was. The third person picked for yep. the WNBA. Yep. And they were trusting that your knee could come back mm-hmm. and you'd do okay. But what happened? So I sat out the first year. Um, and then in July, we were in Houston about to play the Comets. And that was the first road trip I had been on. I got cleared to start running, so they were like, oh, we want you to start getting acclimated to the team, and da-da-da-da. So I was like, okay. So I went, and I was just running straight, and I felt a pop in my knee. Mm. So I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> please, not now. So they, I fly back and ended up tearing um, my meniscus. So I had to do another surgery, and I'm like, at least I have a brand-new knee. So nothing else, Lord willing, will go wrong. And so like, I literally sat out the whole year and then played in another uh, semi-pro league up in Chicago. I would drive back and forth in between. So that was like the year after. And then started playing in 2002. So then it took off, right? Then it just started clicking. Yep. Man, it's amazing that, um, and you said hard work pays off, mm-hmm. but that's been one of your credos that you work hard at what you do. Um, yeah. It's so beautiful to see how the Lord uh, worked in your life. All right, here we are in the Olympic season. You've been on the 04 Olympic team, the 08 Olympic team, the 2012 Olympic team, and now the 2016 Olympic team. Uh, that's quite a run. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. It's fun. <laughs> and and uh, what were the medals? Did you medal in every year? Yeah, we got gold. In every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, say it a little better. <laughs> <laughs> we got gold in every year. You're did. looking at me like, we did, did you come know? Come on, man. <laughs> it's gold every time. I mean, that's got to be such a heady experience. I mean, to win a gold medal every time you're out on the floor in the Olympics, four Olympics in a row, that's six 16 years, three, three hopefully. In a row. Well, three in a row, maybe four. Four by faith. Yeah, four by <laughs> faith. Four by faith, yeah. Yeah. Um, What's that feel like? Amazing. It's something you really can't describe. I mean, you really can't, when you're there and you're going through it, I mean, we, you work so hard. And, like, even the intensity level and just, like, training together and all of that, like, it's just, it's on a whole nother level. And then when you get there and, like, you're standing, like, you, the final game is over, gold medal game is over, and you're standing on the podium, and you look to your right, you look to your left, and all your teammates, like, we're all, like, standing there waiting. Yeah. And then they start playing the national anthem, the flag coming down, and it's just like, you're, you're almost in your mind, you hear the fireworks going off, you know, because it's that moment, and you're just, like, crying because not many people get an opportunity, A, to represent their country, B, to go and play, yeah. and then... 
to meddle at all, blind, silver, or gold. Like, not, like a lot of people don't get that opportunity, but to do it three times, I mean, yeah. it's just been a blessing. Tell us a little more about the foundation and what you're trying to do there. Well, we started it in uh, actually 2001 when I came to Indiana. It was kind of like, okay, I have two choices. One, to be mad, go to practice, come home, and just lay around, sit around, watch TV, whatever you're going to do. Or two, be mad, but go to practice, you know, do my training, and then come and figure out a way to get involved in the community. And so that's what I chose. And literally, like, the first event we did through the fever was a, a basketball camp at a local community center. And when we got done doing it, the guy that headed up the facility came over, and he was like, you are awesome with kids. Like, have you ever thought about doing your own basketball camp? And so that was the beginning of the Tamika Catching Basketball Camp that year. And so That's this great. year we'll be celebrating 16 years in December. And I'm passionate about giving back. You know, I think through what we do with the foundation, Catch the Star, we focus on boys and girls ages 7 all the way up to 16. And really, like, the overall message through goal setting, through my faith, and through setting, you know, like, helping them reach their dreams and their goal. Because I look at my life, and although, like, I went through all my adversity and all those my parents were obviously strong in my life, but it was my coaches, my teammates, my teachers that helped me pass my classes. You know, like there were so many other people that played a, an important sure. role in my life. And so like now I feel like it's kind of like pay it forward. Like I feel like it's my turn to do the same and be able to offer these kids hope, you know, for their future. And you must, when they look at you, I mean, here you show up at the camp and these are kids you don't really know. Mm -mm. And I'm sure you have lots of sideline time where you're talking to a little seven-year-old mm -hmm. girl. Maybe she has hearing impaired issues or some other issue. How do you relate in that moment after traveling all the steps that you've traveled, seeing God's faithfulness mm -hmm. in your life? What do you say to that seven-year-old? Just keep pushing. And I do. I talk about my experiences. I'm very open now, like as far as how I dealt and how I cope with everything, you know, growing up. And so a lot of the kids that we deal with um, come from underprivileged families and so have been neglected to an extent, or not all of them, you know, but some of them have been neglected or have felt like there's nobody that cares. And so, like, for me in that moment, you know, really just talking about my hearing problem and talking about how I made it through. Um, actually, in one of the first camps that we did, I had a mom come up to me yeah. and tell me, like, her daughter doesn't like to wear a hearing aid, won't wear a hearing aid, fights her to, you know, about anything, speech therapy, you know, any of that. And Sounded so, familiar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that would be me. But definitely, so I was, you know, she was telling me, and then she had six boys. So six boys and then her, mm. little girl. And so she asked if I would be her big sister. Wow. So we actually worked with big brothers, big sisters, and formed like that partnership with them and so like she ended up being my little sister and oh, had man. gone on graduated played basketball in college graduated wow. from college now she's trying to play ball uh, professionally overseas so we're kind of in the midst of that but it's been cool for me to be a part of her journey and to know that like i've been one of her role models and somebody that she can look up to well that is that is a great place to wrap this up uh, tamika it sounds like you are a deliverer of hopefulness mm -hmm. And the Lord's been faithful in your life, and you're really extending that to other little boys and girls. And that is precious. It's a wonderful thing to do. So thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. What a memorable conversation with Olympic gold medalist and basketball great Tamika Catchings-Smith. And 
As the games are starting today, I do hope that you've been inspired by her story. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, she captured uh, that journey of hers in the book, Catch a Star, Shining Through Adversity to Become a Champion. And it is packed full of stories about Tamika's childhood and formative years and uh, really illustrates how faith and sports can intersect. Call us for your copy of that book and donate as you can when you stop by focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A in the word family. We'll have a great weekend and join us on Monday when we hear from Pastor Ted Cunningham. He's going to challenge you to find a godly community that'll support your marriage. Who is it that you're letting into your marriage and into your life? This is why I'm grateful for folks on the family being a good backup singer to marriages. Who leads your duet off key? Don't just turn them down. Maybe you need to mute them altogether. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.